0: Oh, hey, good morning. How we doing? Oh, that's great. That's great. Hey, in case I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Josh. Um, I am a regular attender of the second service. I normally sit right over there with my family. I'm a banker here in town, which translates to I don't get paid to stand up here. So uh, today we're going to be continuing in our series called Reset, and it's a really a a kind of a, an integral series as we're looking at the beginning of January, right? How many of you still have your New Year's resolution rocking and rolling? Some of you, oh wow, there's like three hands went up. (laughs) That was devastating. I am on track to lose that 15 pounds. I only have 20 to go. So (laughs) we have been looking at ways that we can change, things that we can change in our lives. Um, Last week, Pastor Bob talked about the fruit of the Spirit and, and really identified specific things that that would allow us to be more like Christ and and I hope that if you didn't get a chance to listen that that you would go back and listen but pick one or two areas of your life that maybe you need to adjust maybe you need to alter to help you become more like Christ in my life these days I have been teaching my son how to drive And for those of you wondering, not Z, (laughs) and everybody rejoiced at that. Um, I've been teaching my son how to drive, and I've been driving now, I I calculated the other day, for a few decades, which is kind of scary. But those of us who have been driving for a little bit longer, we kind of look at street signs or road signs, and we don't really think too much of them, right? Right. Like they're they're a little bit less confusing than those who've never learned. Like, for example, what on earth is one supposed to do when one comes to this intersection? Really, I don't know. I, I mean, if you're a driving instructor, please advise. Or what about what about this one? We've seen this one, right? Don't you dare do what the sign says, but you better do what the sign says, right? Or or this one. Um, I don't actually know if the sign says good luck in real life, but sometimes we approach these things and they can be a little bit confusing. In our life, even outside of driving, life can be confusing. It, you know, it, it doesn't come with with Emmanuel. We hear, you know, first-time parents, they they approach Raising a kid, and oh, it would be so good if there was a manual, right? Something that said, this is exactly what you're supposed to do when you come to this scenario. Did you know, according to psychology today, the average person makes 35,000 choices a day? If you sleep on average seven hours a day, that means every hour you make 2,000 choices. Or you make one choice every two seconds. The average person makes 35,000 choices a day. Wouldn't it be great if we had something that would help us as we approached making some of those choices. Some of those choices are easy. I'm hungry. I need to eat. Some of those choices are harder. Wouldn't it be great if in life we had something that would help us as we made those choices? While we may not have a true roadmap, I believe that God provided for me an instruction manual on how to approach some of those choices. And yes, we're in church, and so yes, I'm gonna say it's the Bible, but I actually genuinely believe that it's true. Because as you're going to see in my life, the Bible has proven itself true no matter what situation, no matter what choice I have to make, I have found that the Bible provides for me instruction the Bible provides for me an answer, for a, a way to navigate some of those 35,000 choices. As we've been talking in this series, we've been looking at, at God's desire for us, and, and God's desire to change us, to be more like him. And, and, and God provides multiple helps for us along the way. He provides for us the Holy Spirit, right? Right things that are going to be the fruits or the fruit of that spirit, outpourings of that. But God also provides for us his word. I believe that God's word provides for us not only a roadmap, but when we read it, when we allow it to transform us, God's word provides blessing for our life. God's word provides for us wisdom, and insight. And I believe personally that every situation I face, I can turn to God's Word and find the answer to it. Now, I'm not sure where you came in this morning, how, how you approached the Bible. Maybe some of you this morning, you came in and you said, the Bible is a daily part of my life. I read it. I try to memorize it. And I do my best to follow it. Maybe that's you this morning. You guys remember, uh, probably like two months ago, we did these surveys. You guys remember that awkward three minutes where you sit with a piece of paper and you try to fill it out on your lap, like trying not to poke through the paper with a pen, and you you fill out that paper. According to us, according to our survey, those of us who call ourselves Christians, Christ followers, people who want to be like Jesus, according to us, Only 26% of us read the Bible six to seven times a week. That's our admission. Only 26% of us say the Bible is that important. Maybe you came in this morning and you're one of those people. You know, the other 74. And you said... I mean, the Bible is good. Sure, it's God's Word, but I just don't think it's relevant. I just don't find it to be helpful. I don't find it to be something that I can truly rely on. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're like, Josh, the, the Bible was written by a bunch of guys, and I don't think it's accurate. I don't think it's trustworthy. Sure, there's some good things in there. Yeah. You know, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. But, but it's not something I can look to. It's not something I can rely on. No matter where you came in this morning thinking about the Bible, I'm, first, I'm very glad you're here. And I'm glad that you're, you're here with the understanding that you're going to be talked to about something from God's Word. I hope, and my hope this morning, is that you will be able to experience a glimpse Of what the Bible can provide for you. About what God's word was intended to do. And and really what God's word was intended to do is this. It was intended to point us to the end. Because the Bible in and of itself is not the end. The Bible is there to point us to the end. Because the Bible was given to us by God to point us to the truth. You see... Jesus said himself in John chapter 14, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He didn't say, I know the truth, or I've heard of the truth. He said, I am the truth. And earlier on, Jesus said this, he said that if you hold my teachings, you're my disciples, and you will know the truth. And what will the truth do? Oh, the truth will set you free. See, the Bible is to point us to the truth. If you know God's word and you follow it, you will know what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus. And being a follower of Jesus means that you have access to the truth. And in that truth, we find freedom. If you don't get anything else, I say I hope you get this. I hope you get this this morning. Following God's word leads you to a life of freedom. Following God's word leads you to a life of freedom. Now, now I firmly believe this, but not because I just believe Jesus' claims to be true. Not just because I believe the Bible to be true, but because I have experienced this firsthand in my life when i follow god's word i find freedom i find freedom from my experience when i choose god's way over my way i experience joy now that's counterintuitive to what we hear when we go outside of these walls right And that's not the narrative that we hear from the world. And in some regards, that's not the narrative that we hear from other churches. Because what we hear is that if I follow God's word, if I follow God's way, then what that means is that I am not following what I want. And I am repressing my own desires. Because when I follow God's ways, I'm saying my ways are less important than God's. The world tells us that if we want true happiness, we will find it within ourselves. We hear this idea expressed in many different ways. Expressions like, Ryan, just follow your heart. Or, Nick, you do you. (laughs) Be true to yourself. Or in the immortal words of the great TV philosopher, Tom Haverford treat yourself (laughs) or the heart wants what the heart wants do you guys know where that expression came from the heart wants what the heart wants it came from an interview by Woody Allen Woody Allen was giving a uh, an interview and just let this soak in for a second The interviewer was asking him what it was like to marry his 37-year-younger stepdaughter. Again, just let that sink in. He married his stepdaughter, who was 37 years younger, and his response, the heart wants what the heart wants. Our culture, society tells us that if we are not true to ourselves, if we do not give ourselves the desires of our heart, then we are being self-restrained, and that is wrong. The Bible and our culture have, have different definitions of freedom, really. See, the Bible approaches freedom from a from mentality. We have freedom from Enslavement of our sins. Freedom from the baggage that all of our sins bring. Where society says that if we do what we want, we have freedom to do things. You, freedom to act any way you want. See, the Bible and culture are diametrically opposed. This morning I want to do a very quick Bible study, if that's okay. Is that okay? If it's not, too bad. Um <laughs> But what I want to do is I want to look at Psalm 119 and I want to really begin to hopefully express to you some of the ways that the Bible can impact your life. So if you have a device, pull out Psalm 119. It's going to be on the screen if you don't. Now, just some, some background on Psalm 119. Um, when I was a kid... I was in elementary school. I was sitting in a small country church down in uh, Orlando, Florida. And this big pastor, this big, he, he was big then. He's probably not as big as I think, but Pastor Thompson, he said, Does anybody know how many, book, how many verses Psalms 119 have? And as an elementary school kid, I said, 176. I don't know why I said that. It was probably rhetorical, but I said 176. And he turns to me and goes, That boy knows his Bible because that's actually correct. But the joke was on him, because I just remember really useless facts about numbers. Like, Ryan, did you know that if you have three quarters, four dimes, and four pennies, you have a dollar nineteen? but you have the largest amount of coins that you can have without being able to break a dollar? Useless knowledge that I have. <laughs> so Psalms 119 has 176 verses, and this morning we're going to take a look at all of them. I'm just kidding. We're not good. Wow, the the mood just changed in here. We're just going to look at a few of them. Verse one says, "Blessed are those who are blame whose ways are blameless. They walk according to the law of the Lord." You see, following God's word will help us walk blameless. You want to be blameless in your job. You want to be above reproach, not be able to have any accusation lobbed against you? Walk according to God's word. Verse 2 says, Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. See, obeying God's word provides blessings for us. Verse 9 was my life first growing up. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. You want to be pure in your thoughts? You want to be pure in your actions? You want to be pure with what you watch, what you listen to? Allow God's word to influence you. Verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When we memorize and internalize God's word, that will keep us from sinning. Verse 28, my soul is... Is weary with sorrow strengthen me according to your word see God's word provides strength for us in our sorrow and your sorrow will look different from mine see mine in the last few weeks was very very tangible because I came back from going away at Christmas vacation and and it was remember it was like stupid cold And, and of course my heater stopped working so you all know what happened my pipes froze, and then, praise God, it warmed up, and then we know what happened. My newly finished basement became net less newly finished, and oh, by the way, you want to take a shower after you work on it? Too bad. Your water pressure is zero. See, that was my sorrow, and I was literally preparing for this thinking, what on earth am I going to do? And, and God was like, dummy. Dummy. Listen to what you're saying. You want strength from your sorrow? Read God's word. 33 says, teach me, Lord, the ways of your decrees that I may follow it to the end. You want to finish your life well? Follow God's word to the end. Verse 50 says, my comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserves my life. Just let me read that again. My comfort and my suffering is that God will preserve me. Verse 89 says, your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. See, God's word is never outdated. God's word is, is never irrelevant. It stands firm for us. Now, I want to go back to verse 24 and just take a quick look at that. It says, your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. See, what this verse says is that God's word provides wisdom or counsel for those 35,000 choices that we have to make. God's word provides direction for us. In a life filled with 35,000 choices, God says, I want to provide for you the answers. Now, if we're being honest, and I were to ask you all individually, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, how, don't raise your hand. How many of you believe that God's word provides counsel and wisdom? I bet 100% of you would raise your hand. I truly believe That we all have an intellectual knowledge that God's word is given to us to provide for us answers. Those 35,000 choices that we have to make, though, when we come up with one that's really, really tough. Like, how do I have that conversation with my kids? Well, we pull out our phones and we're like, hey, Google, how do I have that conversation with my kids? We're, we're faced with a, a tougher choice and we don't turn to the source of wisdom. Or, you know, God forbid we actually look at Facebook because <laughs> we all know that there's zero wisdom that comes from Facebook. If you're one of the people who posts that you think you have the answers, you don't. We all just think you're a crazy person, all right? But we know that when we are faced with a choice where do we look? Well, in our heads, we say the Bible has the answers, but what does our practice become? So Josh, are you saying that the Bible can provide for me wisdom when I'm looking to change jobs? Or or should I date this person, or should I not date this person? You're saying the, the Bible can provide answers for me, or should I go on vacation, or should I not? You're saying the Bible has answers for that? Yeah. Yeah, because it does. Because the Bible, I can say that with confidence because the Bible has answered those questions for me. See, too many times we approach the Bible like I've approached this chair. You see, I have an intellectual knowledge that this chair is going to provide... It's function for me. This chair's function is to provide relief for a very tired old man, right? That's what this chair's function is. But is this chair fulfilling what it was designed to do? No. Why? Because I haven't utilized it. I haven't taken advantage of what this chair was to do. And so for me, this is strictly an an intellectual practice It's only, it's only when I begin to sit down in it that this chair truly does what it was designed to do. You see, we approach the Bible with the same mentality. The Bible absolutely has answers. But it's just an intellectual practice because we don't utilize it. We don't experience all that this, the Bible has been created and designed and given to us for. Only when we begin to use the Bible for its purpose are we be able to allow that to change us. So, so how do I get from where I'm at to allowing God's word to change me? You ready? This is going to be earth shattering. You start reading the Bible. I know, I could like hang it up and go off the stage right now, but I want to give us some practical ways and methods that we can use that will actually help us get to the place from where we are to where we want to be. And really it comes from, we need to create a habit to read God's word. Now habits are awful, but they're great all at the same time, right? Um, Most experts say the best way to create and maintain a habit is to approach it with the end in mind. I want to be this person. I want to be able to run a marathon. Therefore, I'm going to start running. So I want to be that guy. I don't know why you would want to be that guy, but I want to be that guy. And so I'm going to start here today. Now, you don't start running 26 miles. You start small. So maybe some of you are in that, I read my Bible once or twice a week. Okay. So how do we get from where we are today to where we want to be? We create habits to get us there. Now, we all know the type of person we are, right? You know you, and I know me. I know what works for me, and I know what wor- you know what works for you. So maybe you're the type I want to get. I- I'm going to have to just be a, I'm a tactile person. I want to touch the pages. I want to sit down, I want to grab a Bible, I want to grab a pad of paper, I want to grab a coffee, and I want to sit at the kitchen table. Maybe you're a little bit more tech savvy, and you're like, I want to get my iPad, I'm going to get a mug of coffee, and I'm going to go sit on the porch, and and I'm going to be in God's Word that way. Maybe you're like me, and I'm a little bit different. I get up in the morning, I make my coffee, I actually push play on my Bible app, and I listen to my devotions, I listen to God's Word, that's just how it works for me. What we know is that God's word is better with coffee, (laughs) not really, but what's important is that we read God's word, that we allow God's word to change us. So we've all tried new things and they don't work, right? Sometimes Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. How can we make sure that it works? This is a tried and true method. This is recommended by many, many professions, um, not just people who want you to read the Bible, but medical professionals across the board recommend this. And it's a practice called habit stacking. So if you don't have the practice or the habit of reading your Bible, then you need to begin to do what's called habit stacking. And habit stacking goes like this. Whether you're in elementary school or whether you're a seasoned veteran, you already have habits, right? And again, we create these habits with the end in mind. Example, we all, well, let me rephrase that. Most of us brushed our teeth this morning, right? We have the habit of brushing our teeth. Why? Because we don't want to be that guy who can't have a conversation with somebody and without grossing them out, right? So we have a habit of brushing our teeth. I look across the board, and we all have the habit of getting dressed. We did good today. So we all have habits already. Habit stacking says, take a habit that you already have and add a new habit to it. So you brush your teeth every morning, but you really struggle reading the Bibles. Take a note card, put it next to your toothbrush. Put a verse next to your toothbrush. Medical professionals help Patients who struggle with remembering to take their medicine, they say, if every day you have a glass of orange juice, that's your habit, take your pills, set them right next to your glass of orange juice. Set them right next to your glass so that you will remember. Because we're humans, we're likely to forget. The, the days that I struggle most with doing my devotions, I'm not making this up, are Saturday mornings. And you know why? My son gets up before me because he has to go to work, and he makes the coffee. And I'm not making it up. I struggle with doing my devotions on that day because it's out of my routine. So I have to open up my Bible app and keep my streak alive. You know, some of you guys have that streak going. I, I, you know, I do my devotions, hopefully. But we stack those habits that we don't have on top of ones that we already do. Now this morning, if I'm being a realist, I would be naive to think that you all just heard something you've never heard before. That, that a, a bolt of lightning just struck your mind and you're like, oh my gosh, I never knew I was supposed to read the Bible. My hope this morning is this, that you understand the importance of reading the Bible. That the Bible is there for us to to be changed, to be different, to point to us as we approach those 35,000 choices. The Bible's design is to help us navigate those. So you know the type of person you are. Maybe you're the type of person that you really need some guidance. You need somebody to just point you on how to, uh, where to start, what to read. On the, on the welcome table, we have some different reading plans. You know, we have some 30-day reading plans. We have some 60-day reading plans. Me, I'm a, I am told Pastor Bob, I'm a four or five day. Anything beyond that, I, and, and I'm out. Like, I need something that changes pretty regularly. But you know the type of person you are. Find ways to do that. Maybe you're the type of person that says, if Ryan doesn't remind me, I'm not going to do it. And so today, you need to go find somebody. Maybe get your Ryan, get your person, and say, hey, I'm going to text you in the morning and just say, hey, I read my Bible. And if I don't text you by noon, would you just shoot me a text? Just ask me if I read? Because sometimes the embarrassment of having somebody have to remind you is the motivation to actually begin the practice. Whatever your type of personality is, begin to do that. The important thing is that we allow God's Word to change us to fulfill the function that it had so that as we approach these decisions and as we approach these moments that we're able to navigate them. Maybe you're here this morning and this is all just too weird, too foreign, you know, too, too old-fashioned. I would encourage you to do to do one thing and it would require less awkwardness than like going up to Nick and saying, Nick, I need help reading the Bible, man. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Next week, we have a starting point class. Show up. They tell you to sign up. You don't even have to sign up. Just show up. They won't care. I mean, I don't think they will. Just, just, he said they don't. Okay, we got it from the top. They don't care. Just show up. You don't even have to sign up. Don't even have to fill out anything. Just show up. If you think that I'm way off base, allow Pastor Bob or the, the leaders of the starting point class to, to, to stand beside me and say, yeah, what he was saying was true, because God's word is true. Maybe this morning you're you like, you're saying, man, I would just wish there was a way that I could approach this life with some better guidance and, and some better help. Um, we have various groups that meet all over, all over the place. We have groups that meet virtually. Uh, we have groups that meet in person, um, and really, these small groups are designed with one thing, to help you do life. You're approaching these 35,000 choices. Small groups have a design that they're to come alongside of you and help you in those choices. Maybe you're skeptical. Are they really, really that helpful? Well, this morning, I wanna, I'm going to show you this video, and this is from Jeff. And Jeff attends our Vestal campus and he pops in here to Montrose every once in a while. A lot of you guys will recognize him right away. Jeff was really hesitant to join a small group. But Jeff said, out of convenience, I'm going to join. And that's an okay reason to join a small group. It was more convenient to Jeff, for Jeff to join. And now, because of that, small groups have changed his life. See, we can find freedom from the things that God's Word shares for us. So listen to Jeff's story this morning.
1: I got connected to a small group when I first started at Bridgewater in Montrose, probably about 10 years ago. Honestly, I went there because my kids were going to Voyager and I didn't want to drive all the way back home. At first, I didn't have much interest, but quickly learned to really like the small group and lean on the people in it and started even going when the boys didn't go to Voyager. I would say right from the start, I I was aware that it felt very warm when I was there, very friendly, and I wanted to be a part of that. I made some good friends. Two of my best friends are people I met in my very first small group. They were there for me when I have bad times, and likewise, I was there for them when they had bad times. Uh, I'd say that's the the depth of my growth uh, spiritually has been through small group. It's a good chance to apply what we learn and to put it into practice on a day-to-day basis. As we all go through life it's nice to see other people, not that I want them to struggle, but I'm not alone going through the same struggles uh, that they are. So it's good to have someone to stand by when you need them. I would say in my life I've got lots of people that I would call friends or they would call me their friends, but they're not the ones that are going to point it out when I'm going the wrong direction. They're they're not the ones that are going to pull me back in when I'm making some bad decisions. Uh, When you're in church on Sunday, at the end of the service, you're getting up and you're going home. And what you do at that point may or not be affected by church. When you go to small group, uh, you're interacting. That's when you're talking and they're talking. You're not just listening. And you're sharing life events and struggles and hurts and triumphs. And that's where you really, bonds are built. Sin can be broken that way. And uh, life can be much more full, when, like we say, when you're, when, you're, when you're not alone. I think if you don't get in a group, um, coming to church becomes a, a box that you check. I did it for the week. Uh, I'm a good man. I'm holy. Granted, small group is a couple of hours, and you could argue that it's a small percentage of your week, but there you really interact and you put into practice both mentally and through speech, and what you're learning and what you're sharing. And that's like, that's where the growth comes. That's where you become a better disciple. That's where you learn to reach out to people. Something triggers in your heart where you want to come to church, and you want to come to small group, and you want to serve people and make a difference. Having some godly men and some godly women talking about what it's like to have a godly husband. Uh, I don't know how to measure that. That was huge as far as becoming what I wanted to be, what my wife needs me to be, what my children need me to be. Let's stand and sing.